But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaves does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Psalms 1 verses 2 and 3. everybody and welcome back to the streams of water bible study podcast we're excited for another episode as we continue to work our way throughout first peter my name is tyler alverson and with me today is andy baumberger hey tyler how's it going man things are going good you having a good week i'm doing well doing well i think this would be a good time to go ahead and introduce our special guest we teased this last week at the end of the episode And now we're uh, finally recording that episode. We have a special guest with us, someone who's really special to me. Uh, Leslie, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, guys. Well, I am Leslie Alverson. I've been married to Tyler for just over a year now. Um, Currently, I am a kindergarten teacher in the city of Fulton, Kentucky. Um, It's been a wild ride, but I love my kiddos, and I'm very excited to uh, look deeper into God's Word with two wonderful men today. Wow, what a high compliment there. Andy, wow, how, too, how about too that? wonderful, man. Yeah, that, that, yeah, was, that man. was very nice, Leslie. Me a little bit better than Andy, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's still a high compliment. Well, Leslie Leslie is my favorite Alverson. Well, that there that, there is no arguing with that. <laughs> but we're we're excited to get in this text too. Andy and I thought it would be good for Leslie to join us in this podcast episode because today in 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 7, we're going to be talking about the husband-wife relationship. And Peter addresses both of those and talks about some things that we need to think about, not only for those who are husbands or who are wives, but those who want to one day be a husband or a wife. So we're going to talk about some neat principles. Before we get into that, though, I asked a Christmas question last week to open us up about a favorite Christmas song. I want to ask another one before we get into this episode. Uh, I'd like to hear from both of you. I think I might know what Leslie will say. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Everyone has to have a favorite Christmas movie. So, Andy, why don't we start with you? You can tell us your favorite Christmas movie. Then, Leslie, you can you can tell us yours after him. Okay, my favorite Christmas movie, I would say it's definitely uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Um classic can't beat it always watch it on christmas eve i also i also really like elf a lot uh very different movies obviously but uh <laughs> uh, uh it's a yeah. wonderful life uh is is definitely the top for me leslie what's your favorite hands down elf elf yeah. i thought she was going to say elf elf is one of my favorites too and i don't know if i can say this on a bible study podcast watch the tv version okay Christmas Vacation is a classic. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I was going to throw that out there. Not that I'm condoning everything in that movie, but it's uh, it's pretty funny. And <laughs> we watch it every year around Christmas time. Maybe I need to respond to my own invitation this coming Sunday. But um, <laughs> Wow, my, yeah. my, my movie is a wholesome family <laughs> values movie, like It's a Wonderful Life, and yours is uh, Christmas Vacation. Well, you also chose Elf, so... Yeah, well, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, 
So why don't we go ahead and get into the text? First <laughs> Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Now that we know everyone's favorite Christmas movies. Um, I know the audience was dying to know that, so glad we Yeah, glad you we know, hey, we, we have one more Christmas question coming, so I'm <laughs> sure they're on the edge of their seats just waiting uh, for that. Can't wait. <laughs> well, why don't we divide this up a little bit? Um, we're going to be looking at first, let's, let's look at first Peter three verses one through six to what Peter has to say about wives. Uh, let's read through that. And then we'll look at verse seven, uh, after verses one through six for what Peter has to say about husbands. Um, so maybe we could just take a couple verses apiece in the first six verses. Uh, Leslie, if you want to read the first two, Andy three and four, and I'll read five and six. Sounds good. All right. Um, Let's see. Chapter three, verses one and two. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have and you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. So this kind of this passage fits into the context, Andy, of what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks whenever it comes to submission. If we go back to First Peter chapter 2, verses uh, 13 through 16, we talked about being submissive to government authorities. In verses 18 down to verse 25, we talked about slaves being submissive to their masters. And now Peter continues that into chapter 3 in the first six verses by talking about how wives are to be submissive to their husbands. Notice he says, in the same way, just like what I've been talking about previously with slaves and masters or uh, with, with citizens to their government, in the same way you wives be submissive to your own husbands. Andy, let's start with you. What what kind of thoughts come into your mind when you read that phrase? You know, that's not very popular in the world that we live in today. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Uh, what are some of the, the thoughts that come into your mind when you when you read that? Yeah, it's, it, it, isn't, it isn't popular. And I think we, just that, like we did with the last text, we also have to, you know, understand what you know, Peter's trying to tell uh, tell his readers in, in his context and, and think about, you know, kind of try to put away our biases, our understanding uh, of, of things, our cultural baggage that we bring, and really try to understand what God is is teaching us here. But I think we see in the Bible pretty clearly that there are different roles between men and women, specifically in uh, the marriage relationship. And uh, that doesn't mean that the husband and wife aren't equals, but this is the way that God has um, set, set it up. Um, so this, uh, you know, as we, as we kind of look at what Peter is saying here, again, like you're saying, uh, this is fitting into the context of 
of submission that we've seen uh, really in the last half of the last chapter and continuing on with this idea of being a person of character, of obedience, of humility, even in a potentially difficult situation. We'll uh, talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit uh, there as Peter is addressing a situation that probably was very relevant uh, for those um, in his audience, but um, again, has great, great wisdom, I think, um, for those who are who are married, but also I think has wisdom uh, to share uh, for all of us. So looking forward to getting that into that a little bit uh, more as we go on. Great thoughts. Leslie, do you have any thoughts on that first phrase about wives being submissive to their husbands? I mean, Andy really got us off to a good start. He's uh, very correct in saying that it's not a popular view. Um, I look forward to talking more about the roles of husbands and wives. But um, like you said, we've got to put away our earthly and personal views and really focus on God's design. And I was, as I was trying to prepare to uh, join you all today, I had asked women in the church, um, like, what, do you, what are your thoughts about being a submissive wife? Um, what can you uh, share with me? Like, what is your insight? I talked to some very wise women, but it was a very common response from them to say, well, that's a really hard question. I really struggle with this. I'm not the person to ask. I'm not good at that. Um, so I definitely think it's a very deep conversation and I'm excited to dig deeper into it. I think it is a challenging thing to do. And one thing you might hear in this culture that, you know, this command for wives to be submissive to their husbands, that's cultural. That's what they did back then. We know in the first century world that it was a very patriarchal society where it was dominated by males. The husband would, uh, would be no doubt the head of the family, the, the household that, he ruled over. Um, I would suggest that this is not just cultural, that wives being submissive to their husbands is not just something that is restricted to the first century world. And I would suggest that for two reasons, one coming in this text and one coming from outside of this text. If you skip down, notice the illustration that Peter uses, and we'll talk more about this when it comes to wives submitting to their husbands is Sarah. Sarah submitting to her husband Abraham all the way back in the book of Genesis, thousands of years before Peter would have written these words. So this is not just a cultural thing. I think going to Ephesians 5 is also very helpful. Uh, verses 22 through 24, Paul tells wives to submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is at the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So I think this command that can sometimes be very difficult and not very popular in our culture, it tells us something about the relationship that exists between Jesus and the church. It's a very vivid demonstration of the relationship that, that exists between Jesus and his church, where wives are to submit to their husbands just like the church submits to Jesus. I, I'm really glad you brought that passage in Ephesians 5 up because I think that's so important just to get a, a biblical framework for God's design for marriage, kind of like Leslie was alluding to there, um, God's beautiful design uh, for marriage. And I think that if, I mean, we're, we don't have time to look at the passage in Ephesians 5 in detail, but I think if you look at that, I think you can see that Paul is basically arguing that 
one of the reasons God created marriage from the very beginning was to point forward to this picture of Christ in the church, the way that God loves his people and his people ought to submit uh, to him um, in the way that, that Christ lays down his life and sacrifices and leads for his people. And we see this you know, marriage relationship between God and his people being a metaphor even used before the New Testament all throughout the Old uh, Testament over and over again. And so, you know, it's not just some arbitrary, archaic, uh, cultural norms that that Peter is is laying out here. It's something that I think is woven into um, the very fabric of creation and God's design, and trying to show us something wonderful about um, about God and about Christ in the church and how we ought to respond to God. And so I think that's why it's important to to hold. Uh, this value of submission up. And I think maybe one of the reasons it's not culturally popular is because just in general, one, we don't like the idea of submission. None of us do. Um, but two, we've, we've got maybe a wrong idea of what this means, um, you know, for uh, wives to be subject or be submissive to their husbands. It's, it's not, you know, I, I think some, and, and rightly so, maybe because of experience, picture, you know, maybe a, a abusive power dynamic there. But that's not the picture we get at all. It, and we'll, we'll talk about this when we get to the husbands, but it should never be the husband selfishly using that authority, abusing the call of the wife, wife to be submissive. It's supposed to be a mutual love and respect for each other, but, but different roles as well. Leslie, I don't know if you have anything to add um, onto that. Um, I've definitely seen some of that. I love that you pointed out none of us like to be submissive. But um, in our world that we're living in today, you know, it's a lot of um, feminism in one way or another. And um, I have personally experienced people who have gotten the wrong impression of submissive. Um, when I was trying to share my beliefs about the New Testament and following uh, that with someone, they were like, oh, I didn't think that uh, people like women in your congregation could walk in and speak in the congregation because like that's for the men and women are supposed to submit to men. And it's not that, you know, we have to be silent in them, but we're to lean on them and their knowledge and their leadership and authority. I think we need to make clear, and I think this has been hinted at, but I think we need to make clear that this is not a question of quality. This is not a question of uh, are men more important or more valuable than women? This is a, a question of roles. This is a question of function. Of course, both man, man and woman was created in the image of God, continue to be created in the image of God. In Christ, there is neither male nor female. When it comes to salvation, when it comes to our standing before God, we stand as equals. And you find women being empowered in different ways throughout the New Testament. Uh, but this has this specific command to be submissive certainly has to do with roles. It has to do with function where the husband has to take the lead role and the wife is to, according to this text, be in submission. Um, and I think that's something that's, it's really important for us to grasp because that's the way that God has designed it. I like what Andy said about, you know, husbands, uh, well, should I be submissive to a husband who constantly, abuses me and, and puts me down. That's really 
the conversation that we're going to have in verse seven. And I like how Andy pointed forward to that about, you know, this is, this is about when, when the husband is, if the husband is not fulfilling his role as the leader, then how in the world can the wife fulfill her role? She can't be submissive if the husband is not going to lead. Uh, so maybe we can table that and continue to think about that a little bit later. I think it's interesting that this submission, as Peter talks about it, it's to be uh, verse two, it's to be wrapped up in purity. It's to be a re- respectful behavior. I think one thing that is, uh, this is painting with a, a broad brush, but I think one thing that's common to men is that, you know, I don't really care if you like me. I just want you to respect me. Men crave respect. And so Peter instructs wives to offer that. So he says, you live in submission. And that verse two includes being chaste and being pure and being respectful towards your husband. And Andy, weigh in a little bit on the purpose in verse one. Peter lays out a very specific purpose and result for wives being submissive to their husbands. And it's ultimately about saving their souls. It's about salvation. So what would you have to say about that? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, again, I think this fits into our context of being an exile, right? And that we've talked about so much in, in First Peter, our context of submitting and being Christ-like and having that humility of Jesus, even in a difficult circumstance for God's greater purposes, for um, proclaiming the excellencies of Christ, showing who he is, being a, being a, a priest who represents uh, God to uh, the world around us. And I think we can see that you know, on such a practical le- level here in uh, Peter's encouragement to wives. And it, and it seems like there was um, some wives uh, apparently in, uh, you know, in the Christian community that Peter was writing to that, that had some un- that had unbelieving spouses. And you can imagine that would be a difficult situation, uh, very different uh, values. Um, the wives are trying to, to live like Christ, they're trying to uh, submit their lives to God, and that's a potentially difficult situation when their husbands are not not trying to do that, are not living up to that. But Peter says, be subject, so even if some do not obey, they may be won without a word um, by your conduct. Um, so again, like um, like we've seen before, um, despite the, the actions of other people, Christians are supposed to live in this reverent, holy way of integrity so that we show something to the world about God. And in that way, we live as a faithful exile, even in difficult circumstances, so that people will see that and hopefully glorify God on the day of visitation like we saw earlier in chapter 2. And where Peter starts with that is in the household. You know, he says, if you're a wife and your husband is not faithful, he's not a Christian, how do you draw him to Christ? Well, uh, let's guilt him into it. Or let's take our hardback Bible and beat him over the head with it. Let's nag him to death. Let's uh, make him make promises. I heard about one time a, a wife who made her husband promise that if she died, he would be baptized immediately 
after that, you know, and, and, you know, I think that's a good thing and it, it yielded a good result. But here he says, if, if you're a wife and you're living with an unbelieving husband, live in submission to him and respect him and live in a way of purity so that even if he's disobedient, you're not going to have to say anything to him. He says, without even a word, you might win him. You might win him to Jesus. You might contribute to the salvation of his soul just by your behavior, just by your submission, your respect, and your purity that you demonstrate towards him. Leslie, do you have any thoughts on that? I definitely don't think this is an uncommon situation in our world today where there is a wife and or a mother who is uh, faithful to God, but her husband is not. Um, And whether we're married or not, husband or wife, our ultimate goal as Christians is to show people uh, the way to Christ and the way to salvation through um, our actions and our lives. Yeah, I love how Peter just just starts in the home with that. You know, we oftentimes think about being a good influence on the people we work with, the people we're around on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. But what about the people that you live in your house with? If they're not Christians, influence them by the way that you live. Certainly that was the the uh, intention of what Peter talks about here with wives to their husbands uh, being submissive to them. In verses three and four, if we're ready to move forward just a little bit, it, it seems to me that Peter talks a little bit about modesty. In our world, when we talk about modesty in the church, oftentimes we're preaching against, you know, skirts being too short or clothes being too tight. And I think here, Peter paints a very different picture of what modesty looks like and the motivation behind modesty. Uh, would either of, of you two like to, to weigh in on that? Yeah, I'll, I'll share some thoughts. Um, I think I think you're right. I think I think sometimes we are uh, too focused on the outward in our discussions of of modesty. When you know this, the focus of this text, and really I think the thrust of Scripture is on the heart um, and about the kind of character that we are, the kind of person that we are. Um, you know, Peter says, don't let your adorning be external as he's thinking about the pure, respectful conduct that wives ought to display in their marriage relationship. He says, let the adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. You know, you know, just just because um, just because maybe you fit someone's. Uh, standards of modesty by the clothes you're wearing doesn't mean you necessarily have a modest heart. An immodest heart is is any that sh- any um, attitude, any disposition that's trying to draw attention to me, to myself, to uh, what what I'm all about. But but the kind of person that God is so pleased with, that is precious in God's sight, is the kind of person that makes God look great, a gentle and quiet spirit, imperishable beauty. You know, our, you know, we've, Leslie's mentioned, you know, a few times the um, kind of the attitude of our world um, in comparison to what we ought to be as Christians, as exiles. And I think this here is, is again, so countercultural to the values um, of our world because so often the, 
identity, the worth, I think of women in particular is so placed on what they look like on the outside. They are um, objectified by men or, um, you know, told they have to, to look a certain way or be a certain way. And God doesn't care any anything about what's on the outside. He doesn't care about, you know, what kind of jewelry, jewelry, jewelry you wear or what kind of clothes you wear. He cares about the person that you are. That's what's really uh, beautiful to him. Um, I don't know if you have anything to, to add on to that, Leslie. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite parts of this scripture. Um, when I read these verses, the first thing that came to mind was one of my favorite verses when I was in high school was Proverbs thirty-one thirty, And it reads, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain or passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. And that's just a wonderful reminder to wives and women out in the world that you're right. It is so much more than external, especially with God. It's more about the condition of your heart. Um, and that can be challenging because I feel if you talk to most women, they're going to tell you whether it's an internal or external, it's a battle, um, your physical appearance um, in some aspect. But it is more than how well your hair is done, how nice your jewelry is, what kind of brand you're wearing. But um, really focus on what God is concerned about. It's your heart and your spirit. Um, and let go of pleasing the world, um, meeting any standards you have for yourself. And it goes beyond your husband and focus on what God wants for you and your heart. I think in this passage, it's important to point out that Peter's not saying it's wrong to braid your hair or to wear gold jewelry or to put on a dress. But I think what we've been saying here is that this is about intention, right? This is about motivation to say, is what I'm wearing drawing attention to how I look on the outside or is what I'm wearing promoting the kind of person that I am? My relationship with God, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, that's what is precious in the sight of God. So. And I think when we talk about modesty, instead of focusing on not wearing enough, you know, this text is focusing on, the, on wearing too much. And so when we have this conversation about modesty in the church, I don't think it should be just about what we wear on the outside. Certainly that's what it leads to. But where we need to start is what what's my intention? What is my motivation in what I wear? Am I drawing attention to an outward appearance or am I drawing attention to this, this person of the heart, who I am on the inside as I look to serve the Lord? Uh, addressing wives here, again, this is talking about uh, our ladies. This is precious in the sight of God whenever this modesty is followed. Peter moves forward in verses 5 and 6 to give us an example, to give wives an example of what this should look like. And we see it in the Old Testament scriptures but before we do that, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to move on if, if either Andy or Leslie, if you have anything else you'd like to say about this text. Yeah, just building on what you're saying about modesty, I think, I think that two people can be, two people can be wearing the exact same thing and one be doing so modestly and one be doing that immodestly. Uh, yeah. Just based on, like you said, the intention of their heart. And I also want to, you know, you know, emphasize here that this is not just a 
uh, female issue. You know, men struggle with uh, immodest hearts, trying to draw attention to ourselves, prideful. Of course, the the main context of the passage here is, is wives in a, a marriage relationship. But, you know, this is something we all struggle with, wanting to draw attention to ourselves uh, rather uh, than to God. Um, but I think it's just it's just so uh, important for us to, to think about um, God's design for true womanhood because there's all these ideas about what that should be, what that should look like, and yet God says in his word that what God designed for women to be is um, humble, gentle, quiet people who trust in God, who serve him, who who love him with, with all their mind, who live in a holy way. And there's such a beauty to that that picture that is um, very precious in, in God's sight. Great thoughts. Leslie, any other concluding thoughts before we move on? No, he wrapped that up really well. I'm good to move forward if y'all are. He always does wrap it up well. Amazing, Andy. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good, good humility there. Uh, <laughs> so as we move into verses five and six, Peter basically says, okay, let me give you some examples of this. Let me give you uh, some examples of what this looks like. So he talks about in former times, the holy women, they hoped in God. They adorned themselves with this kind of modesty that we've been talking about. They were submissive to their husbands. And it's interesting to me in verse 6 that Peter zeroes in on, of course, this is the Holy Spirit through Peter, right? But Peter zeroes in on Sarah as an example of submission. Um, I think that that highlights that this is not easy for our ladies who are listening, for our wives who are listening, or those who are perhaps going to be wives one day. Because when you read the Old Testament story of Sarah, she at times was not very submissive to Abraham. Um, and sometimes, you know, her submissiveness went to a point where I think she did some things that she shouldn't have done. I think about how a couple of times when Abraham would go to a, a foreign nation and he would tell Sarah to tell a half truth, which is a whole lie to say, uh, just, just say that, that you're my half sister, that you're not really my wife so that they won't kill me because of how beautiful you are. And Sarah went right along with that. There are other times where Sarah stands in front of Abraham, for instance, with Hagar, when they're waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled, to have a child. And, and, uh, Sarah stands in front of Abraham and says, Hey, take Hagar my maidservant. And Abraham just does it. Sarah takes the lead in that circumstance. And then a little bit later on, when that turns sour, when that goes south, she tells Abraham, basically get them out of here. So I think using her as an example shows that this really isn't easy, that this is we can talk about it and we can discuss it. It might sound easy when we read through this text, Sarah is a great example of submission, but she didn't always do it perfectly. I think that's a, I think that's a good point. It reminds me of, you know, other people in scripture that are, you know, held up as examples and you look back and you realize, okay, they, they weren't so perfect, even though they're an example, you know, David's a man after God's own heart. We all know what David did, you know, in James, um, he talks about Job as an example of patience, which he, he certainly was an example of that. But he also 
if you read the book of Job, seem pretty impatient at times. So I think, I think this just goes to show that we're all works in progress. We're all uh, trying to grow in obedience and submission and what God uh, wants us to be. Um, but Sarah was an example of this. Um, and Peter lifts her up as uh, someone um, who is uh, submitting to her husband that is a model for, for what uh, women uh, can be. Um, but I think this goes to show that, you know, when you have a marriage, it's, it's always going to be difficult because you have two sinful people, right, that are trying to be one flesh, that, that are one flesh, that are uh, joined together, and they made promises to each other, and yet that's a difficult thing. I'm Full disclosure for all of our listeners, I'm not know enough that, you know, uh, marriage is never perfect and so you know but peter is calling us to um to to see here you know we can all uh grow and and for for wives for women there's this example that he's um giving them uh, to adorn adorn uh, yourselves with this uh kind of character this holy character that god wants uh, by submitting going back to that adorning language what your clothing uh, your heart with I think a pretty neat example of submission from Sarah comes from in I mean just Genesis 12 when she first shows up in the the biblical record where uh, Abraham can, can you imagine what this conversation would have looked like Abraham at that time Abram comes to her and says yeah God uh, came to me and, and he told me that we have to leave we have to pack up all our stuff and we got to go well okay Abraham where where are we going? Oh, I don't know where we're going. Uh, what direction do we need to go? How are we going to know when we get there? Oh, well, when we get there, God's going to tell us. Uh, if I was Sarah in that circumstance, it might be the temptation to say, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a good plan. You go back and talk to God and firm up those plans just a little bit. But she went right along, the text talks about. They packed up everything and um, uh, took along uh, their their nephew with them and, and Lot, and they they left and she submitted to that. So I don't want to, I want to say that just, I'm not just dogging on Sarah like us. She made mistakes, but there are also times when you can see this in her. Um, Leslie, do you have any thoughts about Sarah and her relationship with Abraham or submission well, scene in the old Testament? Y'all had a lot of great thoughts so far. Um, some thoughts that were coming to my mind as you were talking Um like I mentioned earlier, I went to a lot of women that I really look up to and think high, very highly of um, as examples and um, kind of starting points for my thoughts on this. But I'm thankful that God and his wisdom provided these biblical examples such as Sarah and other women for us. Um, and I just a little shout out here. I like to tell everybody I talk to. Um, there's a podcast called Wifey Wednesdays and a recent study was on biblical women and um, their roles as wives and mothers. And uh, one thing they did mention was, yes, like these women have beautiful stories and wonderful attributes, but they are human. Sometimes it is easy to dog on them. Um, but like you said, Sarah wasn't perfect, but man, some of the things she did, I mean, if Tyler was to tell me, Hey, we're going somewhere sometime for some reason, I would not have been as easygoing as Sarah. So I really uh, admire her for that. Um but I, I think that goes to show that submissive, being submissive is so much more than 
surface level. It's um, how do you speak to your husband about your husband? What actions do you do, do you show towards him? Um, and what is your attitude towards him? Yeah. Great I, thoughts. Yeah. I think yeah. those are great insights. Um, uh, something else kind of just building off uh, what both of you said, but something else I really like about uh, verse five is um, Peter saying, for this is how the holy women who hope in God used to adorn themselves. And I, I just, I just think that's so significant to point out that this is the underlying reason, foundation, motivation for submission, not because uh, the husband is perfect in his authority, not because he always makes the right, perfect decisions about everything, not that he's always, you know, um, the best leader, perfect leader, but because the woman submits, not because of those reasons, but because she hopes in God, because she trusts in God. And it reminds me of, you know, this trust that, that, God, that Jesus had in God as the the faithful judge that we saw at the end of uh, chapter two uh, last time. And I think that is a defining characteristic of a holy woman, of a godly woman, is her hope is placed in God. She recognizes her husband's not going to be perfect, yet she is seeking in all things to adorn herself with this character, to submit to her husband out of this trust that she has in God, this hope that she has in in god and i think that's displayed in you know what you're talking what you both mentioned in in sarah's great faith and being willing to to go with abraham that's that's a great faith in in god's promises and god's uh plan that i think um we all can learn from really that fits into the context of what we've been saying about submission over the past two weeks if you go back to chapter 2 and verse 13 why do we submit to our governing authorities? Well, because I'm just a patriotic person. No, he says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Dropping down to verse 19, why were slaves to be submissive to their masters? For this finds favor being mindful of God. And so in, 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 we see this here with husbands and, and wives, especially we're talking about wives in verse 5 that you're right. I'm not just submitting to the government because it's a great government. I'm doing it because of my relationship with God. As a slave, I wouldn't submit to my master just because of who my master is, but because of who my God is. And here I follow these commands, even in going back to verse one, even if I'm a wife and my husband isn't obedient to the word, I'm going to be submissive to him. Why? Because he deserves it? Certainly not. I, I know that I don't deserve I don't think any husband deserves it but a wife lives in submission to her husband and follows these godly examples because of her relationship with god and, and that's what we've been saying and really that's what our lives are all about isn't it uh, in anything that we do it's not just service to people it's not just doing my job it's not just volunteering for certain things but everything we do is service to god and should be motivated by that yeah, well, y'all, any other any other concluding thoughts about about why the wives part of this? For the sake of time, we might want to move on and talk about husbands because there it's just one verse. But wow, is there a lot packed in there? Yeah, I um, just I just want to I just want to add one thing in that's really I think really important about verse six. Yes, that at the very end, you know, where he's talking about Sarah's children, 
and again, talking about holy women, they do not fear anything that is frightening. Again, the submission is not based out of fear. You know, I think that's kind of the caricature of, uh, you know, the, the biblical uh, view of, of marriage and submission is that, you know, the wife is just doing this out of fear because the husband is domineering. No, holy women of God are fearless. They don't have to, they're not, they're not, they're not working. They're not living. They're not acting out of fear. They're acting out of hope. They acting because, because they, they hope in God. They, they fear God, not, not man, not the circumstances around them. They've got this deep uh, sense of hope that they don't have to, to fear anything that's frightening. They are, they are fearless in their submission and so I think a lot, of, a lot of people in our world would look at this idea of submission of women as women are being weak in this. But I think this is actually showing that women who hope in God are actually extremely strong. They're, they are fearless. And this really challenges uh, the world's view of, of womanhood because God says true strength is shown in hope in him, fear in him. Um, and so they don't have to, to fear, um, fear what the world fears, but they, they hope in God and trust in God. And so they submit because of those reasons. Amen. Leslie, any other thoughts before we move on? That was a beautiful thought. I'm ready to go. All right. Well, let's look at verse seven. Who wants to read verse seven? Well, let, let, let the husband read it. <laughs> Let the husband, okay, well, since I'm the only husband in this conversation, I guess I'll read it. Yeah. Uh, here we go. I'll step on my own toes. Or I could, this could be an example of submission and I can make Leslie read it. No, no, we <laughs> we won't do that. Okay, Take verse that, seven. <laughs> yeah, no. I know. See, I, I had to have at least one joke like that. That's the one that I'm allowed, okay, yeah, for, yeah. For, uh, for everyone to know that was a joke. Now, here's verse seven. <laughs> You husbands in the same way live with your wives in an understanding way as someone as with someone weaker since she is a woman and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So here we have the husbands being addressed with that phrase in the same way. So we're carrying this thought over about, you know, wives being submissive to their husbands, husbands in this relationship. Here's how you need to interact with your wife. The first thing that he says is that they, that husbands are to live with their wives in understanding ways. Andy, Leslie, you might remember this, but uh, back when we were at Freed Hardman, we had some friends that um, they had a radio show on Freed Hardman's radio station called Wonders of Women. Uh, if you just look at that phrase, you don't even have to listen to what the show is about. You don't have to listen to an episode just looking at that phrase, hearing that phrase, you can know what that show was about. Wonders of women. Men don't understand women, right? I think from the dawn of time, men and women think so differently. We have such different ways of, of thinking and viewing the world and going about things. And so I think that could be perhaps the underlying motivation where Peter looks at husbands and says, when you live with your wives, live with them in an understanding way. What would y'all say about that? Leslie, I'd like to hear your thoughts since, uh, since you're the only one who has a, has a husband here. Poor Tyler had to learn very quickly how to be understanding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can really, I can throw him some curveball sometimes. And I, I, it's really astonishing how understanding 
he can be. Um, but yes, I would definitely testify that men and women think very differently and you do kind of have to step back and say, all right, where are they coming from? How are they feeling? How are they thinking? Um, and just be understanding and patient with each other. It, easier said than done. I think, I think, you know, as we're thinking about the husband in the role as the head of the household, you know, if, if we're looking at Peter's instruction, we might, we might expect something uh, different for him to start off this instruction, but he says, live in an understanding way. Again, this, this kind of challenges our conception of, a, of what it means to be an authority, of what it means to be in power for, for Christian husbands. Uh, our authority is more of a responsibility to serve to show compassion, to be uh, understanding, as um, Peter says, and that that authority is is given so that husbands can show honor uh, to their wives, so they, they can serve and protect uh, their wives. And that's, that's emphasis, you know, that authority, that headship is never given in order to serve the needs of the husband. It is a responsibility, a gift of responsibility given so that he can uh, serve the need and honor the needs of his, of the wife, um, saying, uh, calling her the weaker vessel, um, which again, <laughs> that is something that, uh, you know, a lot of modern readers might recoil at. Um, do you have, we, maybe we can talk about what, what he's getting at there, but Tyler, do you have any uh, thoughts on, on what we've uh, said so far? Yeah, before we before we talk about the whole weaker vessel thing, um, I think I think there's a pretty simple way to think about that that really doesn't degrade women or devalue them in any way. Um, but just to say, you know, husbands as they lead, they don't lead with an attitude that says, "I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm the leader. You're submissive to me, so just listen to what I say, and uh, I don't really care what you think." No, we live husbands live with their wives in an understanding way and show honor. I, I, you mentioned showing honor to them as a fellow heir of the grace of life to realize as a Christian husband, if you have a Christian wife, she's not just your wife. She's your sister. She's the one, she, she is someone who is going to share with you, not just in the ups and downs of this life for sickness or in health, for better or worse, for rich or for poor. It's not just about living together in this life, but also she's going to inherit that same eternity from God that you're hoping for, that you're going to inherit. That should change the way that we not only view our wives, but the way that we treat them to say, here's someone who's not just my wife, but she's my sister. She's not just my wife, but she's a daughter of God. And that should transform the way that I think about her and the way that I interact with her. That Greek word for honor is interesting. We've actually seen it a couple times in First Peter. First Peter 1 and verse 7 um, talks about the honor that we will receive when Jesus comes back. First Peter 1 19 talks about the precious blood of Christ. That word precious comes from the same Greek word as honor here, the honorable, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so you take that and you apply it here. Don't degrade your wife. Don't put her down. Don't talk bad about her. Don't speak harshly to her. And 
I'm preaching to the choir here, okay? Uh, <laughs> don't speak harshly to her, but honor her, value her, and let her know how precious she is to you. I think that's what this text is getting at. That's what this leadership looks like. Uh, before we talk about the weaker vessel, Leslie, you have any thoughts on that? You said it all. I, there we go. The, the, the answer I always get. <laughs> no, <laughs> no uh, not quite. Andy, talk, t- talk to us about this weaker vessel stuff. What does this mean? Is, is this degrading women? Uh, no, I, I would say it definitely is not degrading women. I read this text carefully as we have been trying to do. We, we see a, such a high value that God places on women. Um, he sees, he sees that their, their great worth, their, um, um, their great value and beauty in his sight because of their, their character, their hope in him. And all throughout the Bible, um, women, as you, as you, we are co-image bearers. We are created with the dignity that, that that comes with. Um, we're loved uh, by God. And I think um, we see that in this, this passage about, you know, being heirs in the grace of life. So we might wonder in, in light of all that, okay, we're co-heirs in the grace of life. We're, we're, we're equal in um, our relationship with God. Why is, why is um, Peter saying that women are the weaker vessel? Um, you may have some, some thoughts on this, but I, I think this is just um, pointing out the general biological difference that there is between uh, men and women. Um, again, our, I don't think our culture uh, really wants to acknowledge that there are real meaningful differences between men and women, but generally, um, in a physical, biological sense, uh, men are stronger, even though there are plenty of women out there that could beat me in arm wrestling anytime, I'm sure. But I think this is just talking about the uh, how, how, how things are generally. And he, I think he's pointing this out because there's such a, a tendency, especially um, in the world that Peter's writing into, but also our world as well, um, this is uh, too prevalent, is for the husbands using their authority, their physical strength and power, using that to abuse women, using that to exert their power and control over women. And that is, that is evil in the sight of God. That is so opposite of God's purpose for manhood, his design for manhood. Um, we are supposed to use our power and strength and authority uh, to, to honor and protect and, and serve, um, serve um, women. And I think that's the picture that we're getting here. Is there uh, anything I, I got wrong on, on the weaker vessel? I I agree with you 100%. I agree with you 100%. I think that at the heart of this text is what you're talking about, abuse, where uh, this is not saying that women are weaker emotionally, intellectually, socially, mentally, spiritually. This is talking about physical strength. So there's two sides of this. If you're going to honor your wife as the weaker physical vessel of that biological general truth, then Number one, you're going to protect her, and uh, you're going to use your strength to serve her and to protect her in ways that you should. 
And then you look at the, the negative side of that. If you're going to honor your wife as the weaker vessel, then you're never going to lay a finger on her out of anger. You're never going to hurt her. You're never going to leave bruises on her. It, it's amazing to me how, you know, sometimes you hear about people who are Christians who it comes out that they've been beating their wives. Where in the world do people draw that that's okay? Where, where in the world do, do Christians think that that's something that's appropriate? When you look at the first century world, that's something that would have been common. Husbands beating their wives whenever they messed up. And Peter looks at this Christian audience and says, that's not going to be who you are. And that's not going to be what you do. If you honor her as the weaker vessel, then you're going to protect her and you're never going to use your strength to abuse her or to harm her. That is something that we should absolutely condemn as the church. Maybe it's not something, it's something that we don't talk about a lot, but I think it's the heart of what Peter means when he talks about the woman as the weaker vessel. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be really interested to hear uh, Leslie's perspective, uh, how, how this, uh, this part strikes you, Leslie. Well, a um, lot of interesting thoughts coming to mind. Uh, quickly, I'm going to touch on what Tyler said. Like, you uh, hear these stories of uh, husbands abusing their wives, and you think, what on earth? Where did this come from? And you look back, and later, I'm sorry, earlier generation uh, generations, and uh, that is kind of the norm. But, I, you know, oftentimes, and even several times tonight, I've said, you know, you look at our world and this or that, um, but I do think that our world is uh, maybe uh, turning to show more respect for wives and mothers than we have in the past. Um, but I will circle back, um, focusing more on the weaker vessel part. I have many times in my life, even recently, looked at this and been a bit puzzled um, because I do know how strong women are, but I love how Andy put it. It's general, it's biological, and we're just different. Um, one, I've really thought a lot about our vows um, as we've been talking today. And I remember uh, telling Tyler, like, we are made to complement each other. We are different. We have different talents, abilities, strength. And uh, we were put together to, um, as two simple people to make each other better, to complete each other, and to strive for that heavenly goal together. Um, so I love the way that Andy did that. Um, let's see, I had a thought, but it just left my mind. Oh, I was just going to say it is puzzling because we know this general biological differences, but I look at women in my life, whether it's my mother, my mother-in-law or my grandmother. And which with each day that goes by, I look at them and other women and think, wow, they are so strong. They are so powerful and they're like, they're incredible and they're amazing. So, um, well, yes, biologically, uh, we are different. We may be viewed as the quote unquote weaker vessel. That is not degrading women at all because um, our strength uh, is definitely undeniable. I agree. hundred percent. Um, so Andy, there's, and, and Leslie, there's, there's one more part to this text that we haven't talked about. You know, what if husbands fail to do this? What if they're not understanding and they're not honoring their wives and they're abusing their wives and using their strength to uh, physically uh, conquer their wives? Then then what what's going to be the consequence for that? And Peter tells us in verse seven, it's something that should 
really make us stop to think. I think it's something that should make us stop in our tracks and reflect. He says, so that your prayers will not be hindered. It seems that if a husband fails to live with his wife in a way that is not scriptural, if, if a husband fails to do what the Bible talks about here in verse 7, God's not going to listen to his prayers. I think that says that God takes this seriously. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, that, I mean, that was the word I was going to use, serious. That should really, that should really cause us to, to stop and, and reflect on how, how serious God is about this, how much uh, concern he has uh, about this. Basically, what Peter is telling us is that if you as a husband are not going to honor your wife, not going to protect her, not going to show uh, respect to her in an understanding and loving way, God doesn't want to hear from you. You know, God, God doesn't want to, to hear your prayers if you are not going to live up to this this calling. This is this is how much he loves um, his daughters, the those that he has made. Is that you know you can't you can't uh, live in this way and expect your relationship with God just to be okay because that is that's inconsistent. You can't you can't talk uh, to the father and then mistreat. Uh, his daughter and and still think that he's going to to listen to you and and give you what you want in prayer um, that's just so uh, inconsistent with what God wants for us and what God expects for us as uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. So it really should be a startling uh, passage uh, for for any husband as they're thinking about um, how they how they live with their wives, how they treat their wives because it has this drastic effect on their relationship with God. I think that's a great way to, to close out this text. Leslie, do you have anything else you want to mention? I agree that it's a wonderful way to close these thoughts on wives and husbands. It definitely stresses that importance of our roles and responsibilities as husbands and wives, and they're not to be taken lightly. I was talking to a friend one time, and uh, like right before she, she was telling me that right before she got married, she had like this shock, like the feeling that you would get when you jump into cold water. And I later experienced it right before you walked down the aisle. It's like, whoa, I am entering this covenant, this marriage. Um, and all of a sudden, the weight and the seriousness of your commitment hits you. Um, and it's more than that. Like I've said, it's more than that commitment here on earth to your husband. It is um, that commitment to this divinely created uh, design that God has given to us as a gift. I can't think of a better way to close out what we've talked about today in First Peter 3 verses 1 through 7. Then, uh, very, very well said, Liz. Um, We'd like to offer a challenge like we have the past few weeks, uh, every podcast we've done uh, based on what we've read in First Peter 3, verses 1 through 7. And that challenge is simply this. Number one, realize that if you're not married, that you don't have to be married to be a faithful Christian. Paul wasn't married. Jesus wasn't married. But if that's something that's on your radar, 
or if that is your reality right now, if you're in a marriage relationship, here's what we want to challenge you to do. Because I think this text applies to everybody. Uh, if you're if you're not married and you're looking to get married, these are these are qualities and characteristics that we should not only develop, but qualities and characteristics that we should look for. Of course, these are characteristics that we should live out if we're involved in a marriage relationship right now. And maybe you find yourself in a spot where your your husband or wife has passed on or you were married in the past, but you're not married right now. Well, you, according to Titus 2, those older women who have those experiences have the responsibility to, to teach the younger women. And the same thing is true with older men to younger men. So regardless of where we find ourselves, this is something that applies to all of us. This is something that uh, that we can all draw something out of. So here's the challenge that we would like to offer. If you're not in a marriage relationship, but you're looking to get there one day, we want to challenge you over the next week, every single day, to pray for that future spouse. Pray for them that they're developing these characteristics and pray for yourself that you'll develop these characteristics. If you are in a marriage relationship every day over the next week, we want to challenge you to think about this text to pray for your husband or your wife that they'll live out this text and also for yourself that you will live out this text. Or if you find yourself in a spot where uh, you were married, but, but now you're not and pray about opportunities to pass on wisdom, to pass on knowledge, to teach those who are younger, what this looks like, be intentional about that. So over the next week, as we think about, husband-wife relationships and all these things that we've had the opportunity to discuss from Scripture, uh, let's take that to God in prayer, not only looking at the other person in this relationship, but looking at ourselves. I have to ask Tyler, Tyler, are you living out what Peter says in verse 7? Wives have to look at verses 1 through 6. Am I living out what Peter says in this text, what the Holy Spirit through Peter says in this text. So that's the, that's the challenge that we would like to offer. And I, I think we could all be uh, greatly benefited by that. Yeah. Thanks, Tyler. I think that's, uh, you know, so important um, to pray, to have our mindset on those things so that we can be the people that, that God wants us to be with, with his help and with his grace. Yeah. Thanks for your thoughts, Andy. And Leslie, thanks so much for joining us in this podcast. I know that you are just a little bit nervous about it, but uh, you did a great job. And I, I think I can speak for both me and Andy. We really enjoyed having you on. Yeah, Leslie, well, you did great. Yeah, really loved your insight on this passage. Well, I enjoyed uh, reading it and discussing it with you all. And thanks for the opportunity. To all of our listeners, we want to thank you for being with us for this long. If you've made it to the end of this episode, uh, Andy, we officially went over an hour. We said we weren't going to do that, but uh, we did. Uh, hey, that's all right. I think I hey, think that's all right. Yeah, I think it's worth it for for hearing all the the wisdom that that Leslie uh, added to the conversation. There we go. Yeah, I didn't just have to listen to me and Andy this I week. Know, yeah, they probably uh, were able. They probably able to get through it just because of that. Yep. And just a disclaimer before we close. You know, this is not a, a worship assembly. This is not an a, 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 an assembly of this. This is just a conversation about scripture. And we were so thankful to have Leslie with us today. We're thankful that you chose to be with us today and to study alongside of us. 
We hope that the challenge that we offered will be something that's beneficial to you as we look to connect scripture into our relationships with God. And, and we hope that you have a great rest of the week. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the Streams of Water Bible Study Podcast. If you have a question, comment, or idea for a future episode, connect with us on our private Facebook group called Streams of Water Bible Study Podcast, or send us an email at streamsofwater13 at gmail.com. That's streamsofwater13 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.